You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hi, this is Bennett Kelly. Thanks for listening to Cyber Law and Business Report. Before you take a recess to hear the latest internet law news and commentary, you are hereby ordered to download the Webmaster Radio.fm mobile app for iPhone and Android. Okay, maybe not ordered, but why not? You can listen live to my show and all our show hosts every day on our live stream or download past episodes with ease. So download the Webmaster Radio.fm mobile app in the iTunes Store or in the Google Play Store. It's an open and shut case. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center here in sunny Santa Monica, California. And uh, we have another great show for you. Please be seated. Um, court is in the session. And um, we're going to cover a couple of very interesting issues. And uh, one that I've always been I've wanted to talk about for quite some time is um, the ongoing and apparently escalating trade war between um, the mighty, mighty uh, island of Antigua and the United States, and uh, which has um, actually won a battle against the U.S. in the World Trade Organization and is on the verge of becoming a haven for online piracy in order to, to seek redress for um, U.S. trade violations. And we're going to be talking about that in the first segment. And then we're going to have an update on the status of the Amazon tax ruling and the Supreme Court's decision not to hear it. Um, the Supremes are keeping Amazon hanging on. Um, so we'll be talking about that in the second half hour with our very dear friend, Rebecca Madigan. And um, so but before we could do anything further, I just want to say a special happy 132nd birthday to the Los Angeles Times. Today is the anniversary of their first edition. And um, congratulations. So um, without further ado, naturally, um, if we were going to have a segment on the Antigua-U.S. dispute, um, what better place to go than to call to Buffalo, um, where we have um, Joseph Kelly, who is one of the leading authorities 
on um, ga- gambling uh, worldwide actually helped Antigua to develop their um, gambling law. And um, Joseph, stand by you with us. Very much so. And um, um, Joseph is a professor um, of business law at State College of Buffalo and co-editor of Gaming Law Review. And um, so it's it, Buffalo was where you would expect to be the, the centerpiece or the um, the capital necessarily of online gambling, but um, here it is today. Well, interestingly enough, I got started in this in approximately 1996 when online gambling was first becoming popular, and we set up an office in St. Kitts, which is right next door to Antigua and Barbuda. And um, shortly thereafter, I started writing for Gaming Law Review. And one of the most interesting things was that Antigua became the center at the time for licensing gambling operators. And it seemed as if there was no problem as long as the Antiguan operators remained offshore and accepted American customers. And suddenly, in the late 1990s, the U.S. Department of Justice for the Southern District of New York issued about 21 indictments for conspiracy to violate the Wire Act, which was an obscure 1991 statute to fight organized crime. And one of the individuals, operators from Antigua, came back to New York State. He wanted to stay in court, and he got it and was sentenced to 21 months in prison. Now, as a result of the Justice Department action, many, many operators fled Antigua. And as a result, the workforce declined from approximately 3,000 plus to about 500, uh, 400, and the number of operators was reduced drastically. It's important to keep in mind that at its peak, uh, online gambling employed about 5% of the population of Antigua. And well, I think um, it was uh, 10% of its GDP. Um, yep, second largest some- industry. And I saw some stats that at one point um, Antigua accounted for at, at its peak um, had a global market share of 61% of mm-hmm. online gambling, which is just amazing for um, an island that's just about twice, two and a half times the size of the District of Columbia. Yeah, it's about 89,000 persons. And at any rate, this was a terrible blow. And Antigua told the United States, you can't do this since the Antiguan operators are licensed in Antigua, and everything takes place in Antigua other than the location of the better. And at that time, there was some ambiguity as to where the bet uh, actually did um, take place and uh, what jurisdiction. Even today in Great Britain, they would say if everything is online other than the British British player, there is no violation of British law as long as you don't try to advertise. Well, Antigua tried to get the United States to see its view. Nothing happened. So reluctantly, it filed um, a complaint before the World Trade Organization, General Agreement on Trade in Services. So let me just stop you there for a minute. You know, so so the, the starting point of this, is, as you mentioned, is the indictment. Yeah. And, um, and one of the people indicted was a guy named Jay Cohen yeah. um, of the um, World Sports Exchange. Correct. And he actually voluntarily went back to the United States. Very much he was, so. He was certain that he would defeat this because what he was doing was perfectly legal in um, Antigua. 
And so much to, you know, 22, 18 months after <laughs> prison time, gave him a lot of time to think about the wisdom of that decision. But during that time, he and his lawyer were able to convince um, the Antigua prime minister to actually pursue um, a, a trade complaint and the World Trade Organization. In fact, the, I believe the industry helped finance it, right? Very, very much so. And um, just to declare an interest, I wrote, I was the primary author of uh, the government of Antigua's amicus curiae brief before the United States Supreme Court on the Jay Cohen matter. Uh, we did our best, but we lost. But you have to keep this in mind, that at the time, there were all sorts of statements from the Justice Department saying, as long as it's offshore, there's nothing we could do about it. And it was unclear as to whether the Wire Act applied to um, online activity. But at any rate... The conviction of Jerry Cohen certainly ended that matter. But had he stayed in Antigua with his other two partners, nothing would have happened as long as he remained outside the United States. At any rate, the complaint is filed before the World Trade Organization General Agreement um, on Trade and Services, the GATS. And um, at the first level, Antigua won a tremendous victory when uh, the panel reported on November 10, 2004, that three federal laws violated the GATS, as did four state laws, including the state of Utah, which has often always puzzled me. And it looked as if Antigua would win a tremendous victory. Then on appeal, something happened. The appellate body said that the United States, based on public policy grounds, was uh, correct or was allowed to stop all offshore online gambling, and it reversed the uh, finding that three federal laws were violated and the state laws were violated. The only Pyrrhic victory for Antigua was a conclusion that the United States allowed interstate interactive horse racing while excluding Antigua from that uh, market. Now the craziest thing is that the Justice Department had said that interstate interactive horse racing violates the Wire Act, but they had never prosecuted anyone. So as a result of this, the United States was told by the GATS, either, either allow Antigua access to the horse racing market or ban all interstate interactive horse racing. Well, nothing happened. So then it takes many years now Eventually, and, and, and where there is, I mean, it's a limited market, but it's really for off-track states that have off-track betting. Some of them have online operations. Yes, and, and uh, there are many companies that are set up that handle nothing but interstate interactive horse racing. It's licensed, let's say, in California. It accepts players from throughout the United States where it is not illegal. But no now, um, foreign companies are allowed into that market. No foreign companies, to the best of my knowledge, have ever been allowed into that market. And again, if you were a foreign company, it's only until it was only in December of 2011 that the Justice Department came out with an, uh, an informal opinion saying, "By the way, for the last 10 plus years, we got it wrong. The Wire Act, which we said applies to all online gambling, including horse racing, only applies to sports wagering, online sports wagering, and regular sports wagering." which opened the door to a tremendous increase in state-sponsored, state-sanctioned online gambling. 
Nevada, which had already Delaware. done something, but New Jersey, Delaware, and the U.S. Yeah. Virgin Islands, where I'm, in a, I'm a consultant. But when the panel decided what remedy Antica should receive, they came out in uh, December 21st, 2007, approximately four-plus years after the initiation of the litigation, and said that Antica was entitled only to $21 million per year in sanctions against the United States because of the fact that the United States prohibited, uh, allowed online interstate uh, horse racing and didn't ha- allow access to Antigua. And Antigua was tr- seeking something in the neighborhood of like $3 billion, I believe, right? $3.44 billion. <laughs> So at the time, it was regarded as a tremendous defeat for Antigua. You know, $21 million per year in sanctions, which generally meant that you could raise tariffs on imports coming into Antigua from the United States. The problem was Antigua imported very little from the United States. So we fast forward, and therefore what Antigua wanted to do was to um, utilize a cross-retaliation mechanism whereby Antigua could take action against um, American intellectual property, such as patents, trademarks, and therefore would allow um, movies to be sold very, very cheaply, and perhaps medicine, uh, patented drugs to be sold very, very cheaply. And this is something that in February 2013, February 7, 2013, the New York Times in an editorial said, would establish a very, very dangerous precedent. So this is 2007, and nothing really happens until 2012. And you might wonder, well, if there's an award against the United States, even though the United States doesn't agree with it, you should try to satisfy this particular amount. Because if we don't follow a judgment where it's against us for $21 million, why should, let's assume the United States wins a uh, gas street dispute, general agreement on trade and, uh, and tariffs against China, why should they then feel they should follow um, um, an unfavorable decree? They could always say, well, the United States opened the door by saying we are only going to um, follow those judgments where we agree with them. So it's a very dangerous precedent and opens up a slippery slope. And we're going to get back to that in a minute. But first, we're going to take a break and we'll be talking to Joseph Kelly and the whole trade war and piracy issue in Antigua after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Ever wondered how you could have access to your own SEO expert, paid search specialist, or social media wizard? Looking for help with your affiliate, display media, or email marketing? Look no further than the folks at Fang Digital Marketing. Fang Digital specializes in both paid and organic 
research, social media, display, and mobile advertising solutions, and is staffed by industry veterans from Google, Yahoo, and one of the industry's most influential PPC experts. Fang Digital's award-winning staff stays on top of the latest digital trends and offer tailored solutions so they can audit your progress and build a roadmap to your success. Learn more about their expanding range of full-service strategic marketing solutions at fangdigital.com. That's F-A-N-G, digital.com. Guys, are you suffering from FD, fulfillment dysfunction? Let MoldingBox.com's online portal system for inventory, tracking, and returns perform for you. We have the enormous tools you need for complete warehousing, shipping, and handling of all your packages, no matter the size or shape, directly to your customers. MoldingBox.com can also fulfill all your nourishing, nutraceutical, and smooth skincare product desires, including green coffee and Garcinia on demand. Plus, let our in-house printing and CD, DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment, shipping, tracking, inside and out, and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy. Why do over 15,000 small businesses love working with Infusionsoft? Because we believe in people and their dreams. We empower entrepreneurs and our groundbreaking tools help small businesses grow and thrive. We listen. We care. We serve our customers and we do what we say we'll do. We're always trying to find new ways to innovate and to improve our all-in-one sales and marketing platform. Most of all, from email to e-commerce, we help small businesses like yours succeed. Go to Infusionsoft.com slash radio to watch a free product demo. That's Infusionsoft.com slash radio. Affiliate Marketing Today, since 2004. The best source for affiliate marketing news, views, and education. Your source for getting the most out of your affiliate marketing strategies. Affiliate Marketing Today, on demand anytime, inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back and we're talking to Joseph Kelly, the, um, one of the premier experts on online gambling in the world, um, who's talked to us from Buffalo. Um, so, Joseph, we, we have the dispute um, and we have about 12, you know, a, a, a big period of where nothing happens. And I have a quote for you, um, basically. Um, Mike Mesnick from TechDirt said that um, sums up the last few years by saying, over the years, um, Antigua would make a public statement along the lines of, "Hey, we're really going to do it," referring to implementing the um, the sanctions and um, ignoring the um, the intellectual property rights. And um, and the U.S. responds, "You better not." And then there's silence for a year or two, and the dance starts all over again. Apparently, it's time for that dance again because Antigua is making very public that really, no, really, do you hear that, USTR? Really, really, really planning to move forward this time. No, really. But, of course, in the years since the WTO first gave its stamp of approval to this plan, what we've seen every, is every so often Antigua makes this public statement along the lines of, hey, we're really going to do it, and the U.S. responds with, you better not, and then there's silence for you or two, and the dance starts all over again. And so... Since um, in the last few months, we've had um, Antigua has been summoned to Washington to discuss the fact that they've actually set up a committee to start implementing mm-hmm. a platform to um, to move forward with this plan to have 
um, to offer pirated American goods. And um, so my understanding was that they just last month they, they were in Washington and the reports were very negative. The ambassador came back and said that unless the USTR makes a major move towards the middle, um, you know, a, a agreement is unlikely and um, there's no meetings planned in the future. So is this ever really going to happen or is this Antigua saying, no, really, really, guys, we mean it this time? I, I, I think this time we mean it. Um, Antigua did not want to uh, engage in more litigation. They were hoping for an amicable settlement. It wasn't that much that Antigua was asking for. And there were good faith negotiations. And finally, they came to the conclusion that the United States trade representative basically will never be able to do anything, as he says, because he doesn't have authority. The trade representative suggested get Congress to pass appropriations. And the chances of that, I think, would be the same as the first or second coming of the Messiah. It's just not going to happen. There's a very anti-WTO Gats feeling in Congress. And in fact, the Reed-Kyle bill that was never introduced in the um, lame duck session of the last Congress wanted to, a specific provision would have withdrawn us from the Gats. Um, in the area of uh, gambling. But again, that bill was never introduced. So what do we have instead? We have um, in December 2012, the dispute resolution body reauthorizing Antigua to go ahead with cross-retaliation measures. And again, Antigua can do this up to $21 million per year. And although I've done a lot of work for Antigua, I've had nothing to do with this particular phase and all I know is what is in the um, um, public media. But Antigua, as you pointed out, has appointed a remedies implementation committee. It's made up of eight individuals, including the lawyer who's represented Antigua in all of this, and it's very techie-oriented, intellectual property-oriented. And what they want to do is get the Parliament of Antigua to pass a particular statute that would authorize their activity um, especially when it comes to the suspension of American intellectual property rights. Because I think this may be the first time this type of thing has been done. Um, as this Gats activity, when it started in 2003, was one of the earliest um, examples of um, uh, seeking relief before the World Trade Organization. It's the first time that anybody used a public policy defense to defend its policies. And, of course, the United States had said, we never meant to include gambling. They could have included gambling when they first uh, joined the WTO, as did Canada, but the United States didn't. It was ambiguous, and the various bodies ruled against the United States. So now, once the Antiguan Parliament passes a statute, this will allow the go-ahead with the suspension of intellectual property and what the, the Remedies Implementation Committee hopes to do is um, open it up to lenders for private sector participation in the operation of the intellectual um, um, property platform suspension. So it's going to be very, very interesting. And I don't think Antigua is bluffing. Of course, the United States has said, should they do this, this amounts to the theft of intellectual property. And they've warned that this might uh, result in a may be a major impediment to foreign American investment in Antigua. But I think at this stage of the game, six years have gone by. 
and Antigua is now serious. I mean, isn't there an element of, um, you, you do have this, um, the mouse that roared or David versus Goliath um, victory. And, you know, this all, is there an element that they have to stand up for, you know, other, you know, of the other Caribbean countries or, you know, other smaller countries mm-hmm. kind of looking for them to make a statement um, to the United States? Yeah, Dominica. Um, was the uh, country that formally supported and introduced uh, the Antiguan Resolution, and they have the support, to the best of my knowledge, of the Caribbean countries, some of whom have um, uh, online gaming operations. And um, they feel very strongly that Antigua is in the right here. Now, there's one other factor that's extremely important. At the time when Antigua filed a dispute in 2003, the United States could argue, look, we have no legal online gambling, other than perhaps horse racing, which the Justice Department said was illegal. As a result of the December 2011 letter of the Justice Department, we now have a proliferation of state-sanctioned online gambling. And I think almost everybody will agree, another federal bill legalizing online gambling or prohibiting online gambling will be non-existent. It, there are bills before Congress, but they will get nowhere. It's now a state-by-state state matter. And it's been estimated that as many as 40 states will introduce bills legalizing online gambling. Many of them will, of course, not be enacted into law. But I think within the next year, an increasing number of states will be legalizing online gambling. And you're going to have, I think, interstate compacts between the states legalizing online gambling. Let me give you an example. Poker players love to play with people from all over the country and the world. Right now, Nevada has legalized only online poker, and the market's not that large. Once Nevada enters into compacts with other states and other countries, I think the market's going to increase tremendously. So so play this forward. Um, Let's say Antigua does move forward. Um, You know, the first month of that platform, mm-hmm. who's going to be screaming the loudest? I mean, I imagine Hollywood. Gonna, yeah, Hollywood, <laughs> Apple, Hollywood. And, Apple, uh, uh, pharmaceutical companies. Um, you know, and uh, one of the does, problems how about does a, that stand up on Capitol Hill versus you know the other interests involved. I, I, I think it's going to create quite a stir. And the unfortunate thing about the cross retaliation measures is that it punishes innocent parties. But the United States was the strongest supporter of urging cross-retaliation when the World Trade Organization first began. And I think this measure will increase the opposition to the WTO, which up until now has been uh, led by the extremes on the left and the right, the Ralph Naderites and the Pat Buchananites. There might be increasing um, uh, opposition to our being involved in the WTO. But Antigua might also file another complaint because given there is so much legal internet gambling now that Antigua may have a much better case should they go ahead and file another complaint. That's incredible. Um, and it, it just seems that you, you play this forward. Um, you know, it, it, it shouldn't take much to placate Antigua. Um, you know, their GDP is relatively small. We should be able to give them something. And, you know, the fact that we haven't is kind of perplexing, given that um, the number of the, the, the 
the clout and the impact in the president this might set um, and the people affected and the clout of the people affected. Yeah, I, I mean, tongue-in-cheek, maybe if Antigua would declare war on the United States, we would wind <laughs> up giving them so much, so many millions. In... <laughs> well, that is, you know, that's the whole mouth that roared, you know, movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, basically they, they declared war in the U.S. hoping that they would get defeated and be rebuilt just like Japan. And, um, but, um, so I, I just, it's, it's, it's a fascinating issue and I guess we're going to have to wait and see. Now, if people want to learn more about you and, 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 um, follow you on this issue, where, how should they do so? Well, um, I, 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 I am an associate of Catanian Consulting. Catania Consulting in New Jersey, I do all my legal work out of that particular office, and they could then go there and download some of the um, law review articles I've written on the subject, which some might find to be a perfect cure for insomnia, but it goes into some of this material in great depth. Now, I mean, so what is your prediction? What, what is going to happen? I think once Parliament passes a statute, and Antigua actually begins to suspend intellectual property rights. This matter might be resolved. Uh, to show you how hard Antigua has tried, they, they were very optimistic last month. They sent representatives to Washington. They really hoped this particular problem would be taken care of, and um, they came back very, very disappointed. Yeah, it's evident in the in the statements that... Um, that they were almost embittered by it. Yes. So, um, now, um, I've actually, I'm kind of fond of Antigua. I I, I went there about 10 years ago and um, I think it's a beautiful island. I actually stayed at um, Hawksbill um, Resort. And so, I'm As many beaches as there are days. Yes, it has seven seven beaches at at the resort. It was a beautiful place. Um, where, Where do you stay when you go? Well, generally, uh, I'm put up at the Royal Antiguan or some other um, hotel. Unfortunately, I'm a workaholic, and I just am not much for beaches. The same thing when I'm writing the laws for the U.S. Virgin Islands, which is going to push online gambling very uh, seriously. Um, Everybody loves to be laid back, take it easy, where I like to use the expression, quote, explain in less than three phrases, unquote. And uh, this does not go over very well in Antigua and Barbuda or the U.S. Virgin Islands. I just have to learn to adapt. <laughs> well, both, I mean, um, uh, the Virgin Islands are very beautiful, too. I mean, it's hard, hard to go there and not think about, gee, it would be nice to stay. But um, I want to thank you for your time. And um, this is a fascinating topic. And you know, just I, I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't been made a movie. I mean, you take the whole issue of, you know, of a, a Jay, um, you know, voluntarily offering himself um, to U.S. jurisdiction, assuming he's going to be vindicated, only to end up in jail, and then, um, you know, the leading to Antigua taking on the muddiest superpower and winning. Um, yeah, there's got to be a movie there somewhere. And, yeah, and, uh, so. and as one part of it, the state of Washington, along with a number of other states, have passed anti-internet gambling laws. If you play online poker in the state of Washington, you are committing a Class C felony. That's the same as rape. Now, nobody's wow. ever been prosecuted, but try to imagine explaining the Martians 
the rationale behind the state of Washington law. And this would be a perfect uh, part. This would definitely be a necessary part of any movie that would be produced. We'll, we'll definitely have to have a, a, a screenwriting uh, competition there. But I want to thank you very much, um, Joe. I appreciate you coming on, um, Professor Joseph Kelly from Buffalo, and um, it's been a pleasure. I hope you you come back as this develops. With great pleasure. Thank you very much. So, okay. um, when we, one issue we followed very closely on this show has been the Amazon tax. And um, it's, in fact, no issue have we followed as closely, uh, I think, that, than the Amazon tax. And, um, and we've talked a lot about what has gone on. And um, as you know, um, the New York Supreme Court has, um, New York High Court has um, upheld the Amazon tax in, um, yes, in um, in their ruling, and um, and Amazon has a petition to the Supreme Court um, to um, have that reviewed at the high at, by the Supreme Court. And you know, I I was optimistic that it would be. Frankly, um, I was in the impression that um, given the way the New York State Court had punted that. Uh, and with uh, an explicit statement that, well, we don't have to apply the, the latest Supreme Court president because that was a long time ago. And if they wanted to apply, they'll tell us. It seemed like an open invitation for the Supreme Court to take jurisdiction, but it declined. And so um, we're going to have, um, I believe we have our good dear friend and frequent guest, um, Rebecca Madigan, the, the queen of performance marketing. Um, Rebecca, are you with us? I am. Thank you, Bennett. <laughs> it's a, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us again. And um, so were you disappointed to, uh, in the Supreme Court results? Yeah. I mean, uh, this has been going on since 2008. And we've been fighting it at the state level with lobbying. We have, we've waged over 70 grassroots campaigns. And, uh, you know, it's a very, very dirty tactical fight that we've been, we've been engaged in. And, uh, we, um, uh, filed our own lawsuit and won against the state of Illinois. And, and, and really there's no resolution in sight other than this Supreme Court, uh, opportunity. So I just can't, you know, there is, there is, there is a bill, you know, kind of hovering in Congress. Um, but that, you know, what, what's going to get done in Congress? So, um, you know, it's, it was very disappointing because I thought this was probably our best chance to, to wipe out this ridiculous law. And it, it, but I think that's really what, what's driving this. You know, the Supreme Court likes, generally defers to Congress and allows Congress the opportunity to um, resolve issues before it. And, um, and so you know, they, they, they're reluctant to intervene um, when you know the political players are resolving an issue, except when it involves a presidential election in Florida. But um, <laughs> so um, with that caveat, <laughs> um, sorry, Brasco. But um, the and I think that's what's going on here. It sees that there's a bill pending in Congress, and and and, and it's not just um, any bill. I mean, because 
there's two issues involved in the Amazon tax um, and from a Supreme Court perspective. You know, the, the decision in Quill was based on the due process clause, but it's also based on the commerce clause of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. You know, and Congress, um, Supreme Court protects Congress's authority to make sure that states aren't putting unfair burdens on interstate commerce, but ultimately the authority to regulate interstate commerce in, per the Constitution goes to Congress. And so given that this is, you know, expressly in Congress's jurisdiction, you know, it, it seems reasonable to an extent to at least allow Congress a, a chance to take a whack at it. It doesn't mean, and you know, granted the number of states that have these laws, it doesn't mean that we won't be back here at some later time. You know, that's a great point. Um, I think I think the bill, you know, the bill in Congress also does something a little bit different. So uh, the, the, the petition in front of the Supreme Court that Amazon presented was about um, making the state laws uh, unconstitutional, we hope that was the outcome. It wasn't right. really to it wasn't really to open the door for for changes to interstate commerce. That's still in in the hands of Congress. So we've got this from my perspective. So you know, I'm I'm with the performance marketing industry, the the performance marketing association, and we are we are very concerned about the the small affiliate marketers and and as a result of these thir- laws passing in 13 states 90,000 small businesses had their incomes devastated you know there are 9,000 um back in Illinois that are able to now reinstate and get back in business in Illinois or move back home if the, if they so choose but um all these other these other small businesses are out of luck now now they can they we can we can the, the Supreme Court route uh, make sure those laws get get off the books, and and that and there is still an option, by the way, in the Supreme Court. The state of Illinois has made some rumblings that they're considering filing a petition with the Supreme Court as well, and that would be the case that we brought and successfully won against the state of Illinois. So so there is there is that, and, so, and on the one hand, hand, I think that's a a cleaner route is that these state laws are made invalid. The 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 bill in Congress, of course, allows for States to require uh, internet retailers to collect sales tax, and and so that route is also we favor that because that would just make these these sort of these state laws sort of moot or ridiculous because they can there's uh, retailers are having to collect sales tax anyway, so they can now reinstate their affiliate marketers. Um, I I really don't care which one. I, I really care about which is the fastest. And now I see, you know, what is Congress going to do? And if Illinois files a petition, you know, uh, by my, you know, back of the envelope calculations with extensions, they probably have until mid-February to file a petition. And then we would have between 30 and 60 days to respond. And then the court would then review. And, you know, so we're talking about something in late 2014. And in the meantime, the thing that really scares me is that more states are going to be compelled to copy New York and try their own laws and and the bottom line is these state laws don't work they don't get any retailers to collect sales tax all they do is wipe out internet uh marketers that's all they do so um you know it's kind of a it's a it's a grim situation at best and you know i don't know if the supreme court would take it would the supreme court take a case um to be heard in 2014 over whether a state law is preempted 
by a law that expires in 2014. Yeah. yeah. So that's a really interesting question because the lower court in, in Illinois uh, determined, ruled that the law was unconstitutional as well as violated the Internet Tax Freedom Act. The Supreme Court then, of course, said the it really just ruled on uh, the Internet Tax Freedom Act. And at first, I thought, well, it doesn't matter. At least the book, the law's off the books. But now, you know, I'd really had high hopes for the Amazon case. So I don't know. Do they are they able to? Uh, is the Supreme Court able to look at all of the counts that we brought initially, or is it really just what the Supreme Court decides? Well, I mean, Supreme or the Court state, defines state the Supreme Court. Right. It, it, it goes on what's brought to the Supreme Court, and it can, um, you know, it, the. the the petition is actually based on, you know, these are the issues presented and the court hears those issues. I mean, the court can ask for briefing on additional issues, which is what happened with Citizens United, where they expanded the reach. But, um, the, um, you know, basically what, what comes to the court is what, what, is what will be heard. So um, it may, granted, though, it's likely that there could be other states that may reach that point and it may decide to combine it with other appeals. Yeah, so so some of the guidance that we've received is that the Supreme Court likes to see a lot of churn at the state level before they take a case up. So, you know, I I, I just don't I just don't know who would bring additional state lawsuits. We we have um we have some some states where some laws where we might have standing um, but of course, we are a trade association that represents small businesses. So we're not, you know, we're not a deep-pocketed trade association <laughs> that has, you know, just a, a, a slush fund sitting there waiting to figure out who we're going to sue. So it's really a, is Overstock going to sue in another state? Is is Amazon going to sue in another state, or have they moved on to bigger and better things? <laughs> Um, we'll find out after these yeah. messages. You're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report. We'll be back with more on the Amazon tax debate. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. There are many things we would love to catch. Catching the final out of a baseball game. And that's the ball game. Reeling that big catch of the day. Or catching a ride home. Taxi! How about catching more attention, like the biggest retail brands on earth? Introducing Catchy.com, where they sell short branded attractive.com domain names. Use a short and catchy brand, just like Sony, Visa, and Nike for your next business venture. You can even rent to own for as low as $100 a month. Catch a big break for your business with Catchy.com. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. I'm John Ball, and I'm one of the founders of Page One Power. Page One Power is a custom link building firm based in Boise, Idaho. We increase search rankings and web traffic for world-class brands and mom-and-pop shops all around the globe. Our link building strategies work because we focus on relevancy 
and quality, and we don't outsource anything. Our in-house staff of professional writers and researchers is the best in the industry. We're the link builders you've been looking for. Visit us today at pageonepower.com. It's time to get fired up. Fired Up is a show that delivers both business impact and social importance. Our host, Gordon Rudell, will share ideas on how to create higher returns on your communication investments by engaging the people who matter most. Fired Up with Gordon Rudell, on demand anytime, inside the Culture and Business Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back, and um, before we, we pick up our discussion of the Amazon tax debate, I just want to make one brief announcement. As you may recall, last year I had the opportunity to participate in the U.S.-China Legal Exchange. It's an exchange between the U.S. Department of Commerce and the Chinese Department of Commerce. And last year I traveled to China and we had a discussion on um, e-commerce issues and we explained U.S. law to a Chinese audience. Well, this year um, the Chinese are coming to the United States. Um, next week they will be, um, or actually this week they've already arrived. Um, they'll be, they're in Washington, Boston, and they'll be arriving in um, Irv- and, um, Irvine um, or on Monday, and so um, they're going to be talking about um, Chinese energy conservation, renewable, renewable energy law, and legal aspects of entrepreneurship in China. So um, they're actually starting um, today in D.C. Uh, they'll be in Boston on Friday, and then on Monday they'll be in Orange County at uh, Chapman University. Um, so if you're interested, um, definitely contact the Department of Commerce um, or if you're in California, contact Chapman University School of Law for more information or you can just tweet to us and we'll give you some more information as well. But getting back to Amazon, um, what, do you, what is your next move, Rebecca, on this? Well, our next move is uh, uh, some wait and see. Um, we uh, are, are anxious to hear whether or not Illinois will petition the Supreme Court. And I, and I honestly have mixed feelings. I mean, I think if it's a way to resolve this issue for our industry, um, we come in with some very strong arguments. And um, so if it's, a way to, if it's a way to bring more visibility to the you know, abject failure of these laws, then, then I'm supportive of that. Although, <laughs> you know, Raising a few million dollars to, for a Supreme Court case is a little bit, you know, um, right. frightening. Um, but um, um, and and of course, you know, there's a, a now that the Supreme Court has declined Amazon's petition, maybe maybe Congress, maybe the House will uh, renew its interest um, in in its its opportunities. And of course, we have to gear up for grassroots fights at the state level. So. so- does this weaken or strengthen Amazon's position on Cap- Capitol Hill? Because I would think, you know, those who require Amazon to give a little can say, realize, well, you need this now more than you did before. So what what are you going to give give me for it? You know, is this a do the opponents or the people who are on the fence have a little more leverage in terms of extracting something from Amazon at this point? Well, I I, I do believe there's a strong level of support for the, the federal solution, the Marketplace Fairness Act, coming from from our former enemies and now our, you know, our, our allies at that level, our frenemies, I suppose. I, th- I think Amazon has made it pretty clear 
they support a federal solution. They do not support these piecemeal state solutions. And, and the reason is not altruistic. The reason is competitive. They don't want to be overtaken by the next generation of Amazon, the future competitors. Right. Um, they want everybody to collect. If they have to collect sales tax, and they do because they're going to be putting distribution centers everywhere, then they want all their online competitors to also have to collect sales tax. And that makes Main Street happy, and that makes Walmart happy, and um, you know, eBay is really the only company that has waged any sort of opposition um, to a federal solution, and um, their their opposition efforts were fairly small. So, from our lobbying efforts last year, um, and and we, we actually saw a tremendous amount of support from both sides of the aisle. Um, there were very prominent Republicans supporting this. I think the thing that's holding it back has nothing to do with the substance of the bill um, or the arguments. It has everything to do with partisan politics, like, you know, like like every other issue um, that that is before Congress. So um, once those resolve, I feel pretty strongly that there's tremendous support that this thing could get passed. Now, what I'm hearing from my sources on the Hill is that the Republicans will come back with something, um, but they're not going to adopt the, the Senate version of what passed. And for those who are just joining us or are new to the issue, um, the, the Senate passed the bill overwhelmingly um, several months ago, and it has been kind of dormant in the House of Representatives, which has a, you know, a, has a philosophical problem with anything with the board tax associated with it, even though this does not increase taxes at all. And so there, there's been some movement on the House side to try to come up with some solution that allows states to implement a, a solution um, occur the, along the lines of the Senate bill, which requires that states that want to participate in this have to do it through the streamlined sales tax program. Well, and, you know, it's interesting, um, Congressman Goodlatte, who chairs the House um, Judiciary uh, Committee Judiciary and Committee. the head of the Internet Caucus. Right. And he, he put out a, a sort of a manifesto that we want this bill to contain certain characteristics. I don't think it's compliance with the streamlined sales tax. I think it's much simpler than that. I think it's um, really just requiring... Um, uh, all retailers to collect sales tax for all states. And, I, and, and, and the argument in support of that is that now technology um, can make it very easy for an, a retailer to calculate and collect and remit the, the, the sales tax. And that there are these service providers out there that make it, you know, kind of a plug and play thing so that they are intermediaries with the states. And there's even some indemnification if an error is made that, that the retailer is not held responsible for any fines or penalties if there are any errors. Um, and I, and I think the, 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 the one sticking issue that's always been there is an exemption for small online retailers. What is that uh, that number of sales that that these these small retailers make is is it under a million? Is it under five million? You know, last year Amazon was saying that they would support an exemption for retailers that generate sales less less than five hundred thousand a year. eBay countered that they would uh, they would only accept an exemption um, for retailers that generate less than thirty million dollars a year. <laughs> that's, that's really hardly a small business. So. 
Um, so, so they they were so far apart, and I think there's going to be some. I think there's some inching together. Um, eBay accepted a California the California law, which exempted under businesses uh, under a million dollars. So, um, I think they have to. They're going to have to come down from thirty million dollars. Um, and so, I, I I think that's going to be the the negotiations. Um, Overstock uh, was asking for some sort of reimbursement um, for uh, comp- or compensation for collecting and remitting sales tax. I, I'm not sure that gets a lot of support. The, the Main Street retailers don't don't like any exemption. I mean, they're all Main Street retailers, no matter if they generate 500 a year or 30 million a year, have to collect and remit sales tax. So. Um, you know, there is this fairness issue, and um, I, I think there's got to be a number in there that's going to make everybody happy. At this point, it's been going on so long, it seems to me the pressure is high enough that they will find a number. Right. At $30 million, man, man, I mean, who wouldn't want to be a, an eBay small business? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and still, it still boggles my mind that eBay is taking this hard line because, you know, they have they have a system in place already that collects and remits and they make money from it their, their paypal system and they have paypal is used by you know it could, it could become uh the dominant e-commerce remittance and and you know payment processing um program because it's already in most checkouts so i can't understand why they're taking this hard line um uh, they they really it's, it's almost not in their best interest so it's, it's, and so the key in terms of whether something's going to happen soon in, in Congress is going to be what, Chairman Goodlatte, or is it more the leadership? I think it's the leadership. Even if, even if just like we've seen with much more high-profile uh, proposals, um, nothing's making it to the floor. And I, and I think you're right. It has the word tax in it. And um, I think the, uh, uh, that's going to create a, 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 an illogical and inaccurate backlash, but there will be a backlash. So. Well, keep in mind, this is apparently the, the of all the do-nothing Congresses, this is the one that's apparently take, setting the record, and <laughs> um, and it has an 8% approval rating. <laughs> we This issue would be such a great poster child for Congress to pick up and pass and say, yes, we do, we do do stuff. We do work. And just this one has so much support um, on both sides of the aisle, that this would be a no-brainer. It would help small business all around the country. It would help Main Street. It would it would certainly help us get those ninety thousand displaced small businesses back in business. And um, we would love for this to be their 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 shining star. <laughs> well, we only have two minutes left, but I definitely want to thank you and um, for joining us so many times this year. Um, God, with eight percent approval, I think leprosy is approval at six percent or something. But um, so, if people want to contact you, uh, Rebecca, what's the best way to do so? Uh, our website is thepma.org. P is in performance, M is in marketing <laughs> association. The thepma.org, and uh, you can reach me, Rebecca, at performancemarketingassociation.com. Thank you again, as always, and happy holidays to you and your team. Um, a quick shout-out tomorrow night on uh, Hardball with Chris Matthews. Um, he'll be interviewing President Obama at the, none other than the American University in Washington, D.C., my alma mater. Um, go at it, guys. Have fun. And um, so this has been uh, another fun edition and 
uh, entertaining edition of, of Cyber Law and Business Report, broadcast live from the Internet Law Center here in Santa Monica. So quarters adjourned. And just remember, anyone can say they're an Internet lawyer, but you want to contact one who actually has been in the trenches. So give us a call at internetlawcenter.net. Um, and have a great week. And until next time, well, we'll be talking with, next week we'll be talking with um, people from City Hall in Los Angeles about their bids become the next gig city next week on Cyberlom Business Report. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.